great future. We're talking real money. Do you remember back when you were a boy, Tommy, back in the Back in the 19th century, remember, you were just a lad. and you, Your mommy would send you down to the grocery store to pick up a few things. And, you know, you were lucky if you had a choice between two kinds of beans, baked beans on the shelves. Generally, it's just one kind. You got the one kind of sugar. You got the one kind of flour. You got the one kind of beans. You got the one kind of bacon. You got the one kind of milk. You had like eight choices in the whole darn grocery store. Today, well, we... We are just spoiled for choices. We got so many choices of so many things in this society. We are a bunch of spoiled people. Well, today we're going to talk about choices on Talking Real Money, and I'm going to lose the accent. Hi, everybody. I'm Don McDonald, and that's little Tommy Cock from the 19th century over okay, there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. I was not alive in the 19th century. 19th just to century. Go- you know, Please, you not look alive. incredibly not alive. good for a 100 <laughs> well preserved for guy. 130 year old yeah, guy. No, yeah. No, yeah. not going to happen. No, not, you don't think so? Not this time. No, <laughs> Maybe next one. Uh, you know, but, but the point is, is, is pretty accurate. It used to be when you, <laughs> you go downtown in almost any community in America to get something, whether it was groceries or dry goods, dry goods. I guess that just means things that aren't wet. Like rice, uh, and like potatoes no, dry or goods are clothes. Oh, dry goods, towels and okay. clothing. I didn't know that. Okay, you didn't know that's what no, dry I, goods. I, I never are. looked that up. I'm sorry. That's, that's what dry. I goods need to read are. more history. I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, you would not get a lot of choices. You didn't have a lot of options. Now we have options. Boy, do we have options for everything we buy. But we have, <laughs> and I think there's a method to the madness. When it comes to investing, wow, do we have options? I'm not saying it, they're good. I'm just saying we have them. The, yeah. And what is it? We can give you the number if you want to look it up. How many exchange traded funds? How many mutual funds? How many stocks? How many investment products there are? Thousands. This is Thousands. one of the big questions we get from people is like, how do I pick from this universe of gazillion funds? And a hundred years ago, when it came to mutual funds, there were, there was, let's see, what is the year? Oh, I think there was one. And I think it was closed end even. I don't even think it was an Massachusetts trust, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's in your program, history of investing, which I love the history of investing that is wrongly named in the program, but that's okay. That that nobody's going to care. Um, but when it comes to investing, having too many choices, you know, that can be bad. It can be really bad because you don't know where to pick. And what happens is, and we've seen this many times, people get overwhelmed by too many options. It becomes a behavioral finance concept known as choice overload, right? Well, choice yeah. And, and and the question, it's not just recently that this has been coming up. I, I can remember 30 years ago when people would call and go, there are 6,000 mutual funds out there, Don. How do I pick the right one? And well, the question is, how the do answer, you? The and, answer well, we'll get, is. We'll get in that in a minute, but let's talk about what happens. It, you, one of the things we see all the time is inertia. People just say, I'm not going to do anything. I've got my money in cash. I got my money in one fund. Nope. Two, that, that, that's a problem. They naively diversify. I see this in a lot of 401k plans. People bring me their 401k plans. They have 10 mutual funds. And guess what? They have one tenth in each fund because that's diversifying i tell them well no now you have your way concentrated in 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 things and then the other one they end up with is 
the things that get your attention, right? The shiny object today, which we'll talk about in a minute and the cost of that shiny object. The shiny object that you pointed out in most recent uh, podcasts, of course, is cryptocurrency, uh, of which I think you pointed out there's like 8,800 of them to choose from. Yeah, but I mean, they don't even shine. That's a good point. They don't do any, anything. As they you don't, said, I can, they don't I can't light up. Anything. They don't it's, spin around. They don't jump up and down. They don't wave at you, say, hey, look at me. No, you just got a bunch of idiots who are touting them, and they're touting them for one reason, and that is to make themselves rich. And it drives me nuts that uh, people at major institutions are out saying, oh, yeah, Bitcoin should be part of your portfolio. But we're not going to. No, you we're know, gonna we're not going to go that. Yeah, that's we're that not, path has been today. well traveled, and to, to today we're going to try to help you make choices out of all of the available funds. So first of all, we're going to tell you there's a very easy way to eliminate one, and you're going to tell us how to eliminate more than that. But there's one that you should not be investing, and there's one you shouldn't pay attention to, and that is individual stocks. Because as individual securities take on a risk that we do not think you should face, and that is the risk of complete annihilation, your, your portfolio going to zero, which that, can happen in well, a stock. And that is what most of us as investors think is risk. And that's where we're, we're, we're so misinformed. We really believe that when we invest, we are at risk of losing everything. And the reality is you're only at risk of losing everything if you have a stock or two or three or four. If you just have a few things, you have a very focused portfolio. Yeah, you can lose it all. But if you decide not to focus your portfolio on a few things, then slowly as you add diversification, that risk dissolves into this thing that's much more measurable and tolerable called volatility, or at least more easily measurable. And you and have made the very I'll good point over the years that rather than picking things, rather than looking at the universe of thousands of funds, both mutual funds and exchange traded funds, that the smarter philosophy is to eliminate things. Let's take things we should not own. That makes way more sense. Clean it well, up there first. It's a whole lot easier because it's easier to get rid of the bad things. For example, out of the, and I think I just updated the number, but I don't have it here. I believe now there are well over 10,000 mutual funds and ETFs. That the makes world. total sense. Yeah. And uh, remember that like the there's, always, there's always new ones and there's mm -hmm. new, we already mentioned Bitcoin ETFs. And then there's ones people don't believe us when we tell them this, but there are hundreds a year that go out of business or get rolled into another one or sort of disappear. They bad performance for a period of time and they are gone. But the trick in this process of elimination is simply determining what you don't want in your portfolio. I'll give you an obvious example, a hugely obvious example. If you've listened to us for any time at all, you know that we do not believe in active stock picking, market timing kind of management of mutual funds or ETFs. We don't believe in the, the, the true active funds. Therefore, you can now eliminate over half the universe of mutual funds and ETFs. Is that what it is today? It's about, about half that. Yeah. Okay. So that's easy. Um, and that would include a lot of fund families. I think you should ignore. There are many that are purely active. 
There's some that are a little more confusing, like a Vanguard, for example, is some active and some passive, et cetera, et cetera. But well, I think the American Funds that one. Group, that one's that's one. one. That's, that's one. Gone. You know, the thing is, is that with some of the others, like Invesco, they have ETFs that are passive, and then they have mutual funds that are active. So it's becoming a little less clear just by the name of the group. But you can certainly tell by the fund. The other thing, the other eliminatable feature of funds or ETFs is the fee structure. The yeah, fee. I, I was getting to that. The uh, annual fee. Well, no, not just the annual fee, but oh, nothing with a commission. Yeah, nothing no with commission. a commission. An A share, a B share, a C share. What what part of the alphabet am I leaving out here? There are more, I know. C share, J shares, K shares. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is all the stuff y where you're shares, shares. to buy the fund, and there's absolutely no reason to do that in today's world. So that's one. Number two is I would never, ever, ever own a fund that is not either an index fund or a fund that is based on academic work. In other words, this is where the gray. Avantas, yeah, the, the and that I was getting funds. to that. Yeah, the the fund families are important in a general sense. Vanguard, yeah, because they've got great index funds. Fidelity has some very inexpensive index funds. You mentioned dimensional funds, which is a very fine fund family. Avantas again, which is I hate to say it, but kind of a spin-off of dimensional a decade ago now, but but those are fun families you can trust. You can eliminate most of the rest of the others because they're going to include some funds that you should not own. I think there's no question about that. Here's the other part that people forget, and they get confused by this because many, I just had a gentleman call me yesterday. He had 10 funds in his portfolio of about half a million dollars. Three of the funds owned basically the same thing. He had a U.S. large cap fund that was actively managed. He had an S&P 500 index fund. And then he had another cap. fund that was that was basically, again, the S&P 500. He thought, well, I'm diversifying. No, you're just buying those same stocks over and over and over. Here's the part people don't, don't, don't understand. You can diversify pretty well if you want to be a do-it-yourself investor with two or three funds. You don't yep. need 10 funds. You don't need all the fancy. You could, and they're up at our website, talkingrealmoney.com for do-it-yourself investors, where we show you for example, I gave this gentleman three funds at Fidelity, one U.S. fund, one international fund, and one bond fund. Balance between those, away you go. So I think that's another easy way to fix things. Here's the other one I had, Don, which has come up again, and we're going to have a great example of that, and that is ignoring what has been hyped or what has been new or where the performance has been like so great that I got to be part of that. I don't want to miss out on that. And what are we talking about here? Well, the greatest wealth destroyer of all time. Everybody's got to be known for something, right? Uh, Kathy Bitcoin. Woods. Uh, oh, no, not that. <laughs> that's okay. coming up on that. Kathy Woods, ARC Family of Funds. This is a, a piece that was in Investors <sighs> Business Daily recently. The ARC ETF Trust, which includes the popular ARC Innovation Fund. Listen to this number. Has wiped out $14.3 billion in investors' wealth over the past 10 years. That's not easy to do, but let's talk about why, because this is a key lesson for people, because what happens in the investing world is someone starts something new or regenerates an old idea. It does well for a period of time, and in this case, a few years, and then billions of dollars flow into those funds. And, and ARC is such a great example of that. Gathering huge fund assets, flows, they call them, in 20. Uh, 2020 and 2021, somewhere around $30 billion, and then decimated by the 2022 bear market. Uh, the losses somewhere in those funds between 34% and 67%. And even though they came back in 2023, they're down again this year. But 
this is a, did we see, how many times have we seen this in this industry, Don, that you've been around for 40 years where something looks great. I got to have a piece of that. You get in it just in time for it to go down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ARKK is just a, such a fascinating example of this because they had that big run in 2020 and, and, and people piled and, into it. That's it. And, and, and yeah. you're waiting for the, and, and, and I'm holding and, my breath. Yeah. yeah it didn't uh, work after that. Yeah. I mean, their average annual return over the past five years is a, well, it's positive. That's good. It's positive. It's less than 2%, yeah. but it's positive. So it's actually less than the rate of inflation over that period of time. So Way the less. net loss, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got a net loss of a couple of percentage points due to inflation and taxes for sure, because it's a high volat or it's a high turnover fund, which means they distribute, they distribute gains. Uh, and it's, and it's been the hot story. It has. Where did you hear about ARC? And, and by the way, how many of you have heard of ARC? The press was so good in letting you know about them. They weren't very good about letting you know how dangerous a fund it was because Kathy Woods, Kathy Wood is a very compelling guest. And she's out there a lot too, right? She's on the shows. She's got a great story. She knows the companies are going to change the world in the next few years. And she gets all that money in just in time for the bottom to fall out. And again, this is not new. This has happened many, 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 many times in this industry. So that's why that's a very important point. You're not going to buy what's been hot recently. You're not going to buy something that's shiny and new and exciting because oftentimes, many times, the track record is those things don't keep shining. In fact, they end up quite dull and uh, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting so, to see what happens to ARC in the long haul. So this, The problem is, is investing is really, really, really simple. It really is when boiled down to its essence, it is so simple. It is way too simple to be as complicated as it is. And Wall Street people, and I'm using that Wall Street as a massive generic term, Wall Street knows that if it isn't creating something new and uh, titillating you or frightening you, that you're not going to just go to them and buy stuff. You're not. They have to get you to do it. And the only way to get you to do it is to either appeal to your greed or appeal yeah. to your your fear. Yeah, they're good at that, aren't they? So, um, but I think those are lessons well taught, well understood that any investor should use, no matter where you are in the spectrum of your investing life. Eliminate the bad stuff and accentuate the positive. Wait, isn't there a song like that? Accentuate the positive. Yeah. Not allowed to sing. Got any questions? Know. Yeah. I no got singing. lots of questions. Lots of questions. He's got questions. Yes. Let's see if you've got some answers. Um, right. This is an interesting one from Amon in Tracy, California, which I hope is okay after all the recent. Uh, could you believe downtown Los Angeles got like eight inches of rain in 36 hours or something? It's insane. More rain than they get in like. Three or two or three months. Anyway. Good thing it's really slick. It just slides right off into the ocean. Boy, I hope so. Uh, Aman writes, can I open a 529 plan for myself, future education maybe, and if funds were unused, can I transfer them, $35,000, <laughs> to my own Roth IRA since I could be the beneficiary or Roth IRA of my kids? Could you please elaborate on the details of this change in legislation? <laughs> it came from Secure Act 2.0. 
Can you yeah, be you both the yeah, owner and the beneficiary of 529? Yes, can. you can. Yeah, You can. It's a wacky rule. It doesn't make sense to me because if you're going to fund your Roth IRA, just fund your Roth IRA. Yeah. But yeah. yes, you could do that. I think it's kind of a weird... Um, I, 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 I yeah, it is. It's a very, I, I don't know if there's a big benefit because you can't overfund your Roth nope. IRA. Nope. So you can only do the normal funding you would have done right. anyway. So if you can afford the 529, but, but, but if you plan to get some education for yourself, sure, it might be a very smart way to do it tax in a tax advantage manner. Yeah, and what we're referring to, by the way, is the Secure Act 2.0, which now allows, starting this year, people to take money out of a 529 and put it in the beneficiary's Roth IRA. There is a $35,000 lifetime maximum, and here's the part that people have a tendency to forget. Well, just go ahead and take the $7,000 and put it in the Roth. No, the beneficiary has to have that in income in that year at least right. to be able to fund it, or you can't do it. You have so to have other rules. Yep. earned income. To be able for every dollar, enough Correct. earned income to cover every dollar that goes into a Roth. But yeah, anybody can have a 529 for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Very weird. Go it ahead. Is, you got another strange. one? I got another one. This one's not as weird, but probably pretty interesting. From Jason in Justin, Texas. He writes, uh, my wife and I are expected to make too much for Roth contributions. I wanted to make backdoor Roth contributions for both of us. So backdoor Roth. Um, I have a rollover IRA, all in pre-tax, as well as a Roth IRA. She only has a Roth. We both have 401ks with our existing employers containing both pre-tax and Roth money. My question about the pro-rata rule, which, as you know, Don, show if you if you have money in an IRA and you try to do a backdoor Roth IRA, you have to have a certain percentage of that IRA that also has to go to the Roth and mm -hmm. pay tax on it. His question is, uh, do the pre-tax balances within our 401ks count in the equation nope. or only the pre-tax balances within our IRAs? Only the pre-tax balances within your IRAs. You're absolutely I believe. Right. That, no, that's absolutely that right. It, I that's was right. pretty sure that was yep. right. I yep. never really looked it up, but from what I've read. I, yep. Uh, so it has no, ma no impact at all on what you're saving in your uh, employer-sponsored plan and a pre-tax method, only what you have in an IRA. Um, so in, 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 if you have nothing in an IRA, you can go ahead and do the full backdoor, not a problem. If you but have money does. in an IRA, he does. So you're going to have to use the pro-rater rule. He's correct to move some of that money from the IRA and pay tax on it. And here's a suggestion. Again, and this is, comes up fairly often. I personally would only do the backdoor Roth IRA especially, and then with the pro rate amount you have to move, I would only do that if I had the cash to pay the taxes. I would not take the taxes oh, out that's of an the absolute, tax. In my I know opinion. it comes it, up know, pretty because, often. So, because it really does, uh, eliminate any advantage. If you, if you have to take that tax, I know advantage money out, you're losing uh, a lot of that tax advantage that's accrued to you already. And if trying to find a way to avoid that, or yeah. slow down your conversions or your back doors or whatever it is. I'll tell you something you should not avoid, and it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. That is the live virtual retirement 2024. Is that enough? Of a we'll all be, uh, yeah, we're all going to be replaced for this version by AI. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's coming, my friend, yeah. but hopefully our career will finish out before that takes over completely. Um, but it's coming up on the 24th of this month. It's a nominal charge of $5. We're not keeping the money. We're giving it to a financial literacy organization. And it includes a wonderful day of speakers, including yours truly. Of course, Don will be there. Paul Merriman is excited to join us. Weston Wellington from Dimensional is fantastic. Speakers on everything from Medicare to Social Security to retirement housing to estate planning, all of that stuff, one day right there on your computer. And uh, you all, and it you, includes an incredible lunch. No, no which lunch. Is, no, no it lunch. does. It does. Oh, you're gonna, you're it, make includes, tuna fish it includes sandwiches. an incredible lunch made with whatever you have in I your see. fridge or cupboard <laughs> or whatever you can have DoorDash delivered at your expense. I still have some of the veggie sandwiches from last year. I can mail that out to somebody who really wants one. They're yeah. really good. They, well, they they're, in our, they're in our History of Retire Meat <laughs> exhibit coming <laughs> up. Go. That's right. Here's your veggie sandwich that you ordered and didn't eat and you ate my roast beef instead. Um, So that's coming up. Hi, Tom. That roast beef certainly looks better than that vegetable <laughs> yeah. sandwich. Uh, that's coming up Saturday, February 24th. It's 8 o'clock in the morning on the Pacific Coast. I believe that's 11 back east. So sleep in on the there East you Coast. Go. You can get some rest. And <laughs> retiremeat.com is a place to go learn more about that and to sign up. Retiremeat.com. I hope you join us. It's This is the 10th year. So as you pointed out in one ad, it must it must work because we've done it ten it years. Must right? It must be good. People okay. keep coming. I know. And so. if they come after if they came after the first one, we have a few people that have been. This will be their tenth in a row in person. And I'm so. not going to say why the first one was weird again. I've given you oh, enough. You're going to go back that. to the Jim Zorn thing. Poke me uh, in the not, eye again. Not going to do one. it. Not going to do it. No football players it. at this year's. You'll be glad to know. So that I know of. Maybe a surprise guest football player. Taylor Swift will be in the suite and back, oh, though. God's sakes. Please, let's not go there. Okay, just give me give me <laughs> right. 30 seconds thank, without Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening to us. We truly appreciate you more than we express. And uh, please tell friends, relatives, neighbors, and the like about what we do here because we do want to make you more dough. We do want to make you more dough by doing that voodoo that we do so well, which we do call talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. 
Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. And the lawyers get richer.